This is Grace Talks, a production of Simpson United Methodist Church in Bangor, Michigan. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get up, get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We have an assistant preacher today. <laughs> okay. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, God our Lord and Savior. Amen. start out by saying I was informed this one has a game they play at home called Pastor Cory. <laughs> and I don't quite know what it is. Supposedly it, she stands up there and starts to talk and everybody has to listen to her. Well, she's practicing today. <laughs> Our text today is the story of Jesus who is being called upon by a man to solve a dispute between him and the man's brother. Teacher, he says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. To which Jesus asks, man, who appointed me to be judge or arbiter between you? Which is a strange question to come from Jesus as in the Christian understanding, it's commonly thought or we commonly think of Jesus as a judge or perhaps better put as the judge. And so for Jesus to ask the man why he is being regarded as judge over him is a strange question in light of so much of the rest of the Christian witness. And so from this statement from Jesus, he goes on to offer up a parable. A parable about a man who yields an abundant harvest one year, and this man, rather than sell off the surplus or perhaps go even as far as giving some of it away, showing generosity to others, instead the man tears down the barns he already has, 
so that he might store his abundant crop. He gathers up his abundance with the intention of living out his days in comfort. But then a twist. God speaks to him, saying, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And in the end, in the end, the man's surplus ends up being for naught. Nothing comes from it. The man in the parable was a man who, in his excess, decided to build walls to protect and store what he had and create divisions wherein he might hold his plenty while ignoring the needs of those around him. But it would seem that the rewarding thing for this man to do, as Jesus teaches, would not be to build the walls and build the storerooms to protect it, but rather to build tables so as to share his plenty with those around him. There are things that we have to consider when we read a text like today, and in no small part we have to consider the context of what ancient farming would have looked like. In this case, we have to consider the context of what ancient grain storage looked like. While today we have modern methods of storing grain that can last years, even these are not foolproof. And so when we go back 2,000 years and look at first century opportunities for grain storage, we see that it was not 100% guaranteed. The thing about ancient grain storage is that while it was reasonably safe and protected, it wasn't 100% guaranteed in those periods of time or over long periods of time, especially in these small operations. While those who would house their grain or other harvest had means of storing it so that they could keep out moisture, insects, or other rodents, it wasn't foolproof. And in building up bigger barns for himself so as to protect the more that he has, he was ultimately taking a risk. A risk that may not have paid off if the grain had become infected by any number of contaminants or if it had caught fire through a spontaneous combustion, which was possible in the climate that Jesus' audience was used to. Okay, it was a good practice. <laughs> it was a good practice run. <laughs> For this man to set up the barns, <laughs> he would have to pull from the labor of others. He would have to act wastefully towards what he already had while risking the destruction of what he was replacing it with. For a small farming operation, it was a risky maneuver which, had which could have just as easily not paid off, which is exactly what ends up happening. But rather than rodent or spoilage, the man simply dies. The man dies and the fate of his abundance is left uncertain. He was so focused on building up and protecting what he had that he forgot about the greatest threat 
that was posed to his assets, this being his own death. So what this parable that Jesus offers does is it should cause us to ask certain questions, questions like what are the walls, what are the barriers that we put up to protect our own abundance? What are we squirreling away in hopes that it might be there for a rainy day when it might be better suited if it was shared? This could be something quite literal. It could be garden or farming harvest. It could be money. It could be a spare vacation house or two, but it could also be something more figurative. It could be more spiritual. It could be love and care for others. It could be empathy, things that maybe we're tempted to store for ourselves. How many things are there that we're tempted towards storing up for ourselves even as our neighbor sits deprived? What could, we be, what could be done if we were a little more giving of ourselves? More giving of our resources, our energy, our excess. And hear me when I say our excess, because there are definitely places in our lives where we are probably giving more than we can. Where perhaps maybe we give too much of ourselves to the point that we run ourselves ragged and burn ourselves out. Some of us are overgivers, some of us are oversharers, and what ends up happening is that we give to the point that eventually we have nothing left to give, or we give to the point that we begin to be taken advantage of. But I think those situations are fewer than the situations where we have enough to give. There are so many places in our lives where we have that excess, where we have that extra. And when it comes time, we could build up our walls, we could build up our places to house them, our barns. We could hide the abundance away with the intention of keeping it for some rainy day. But instead, what Jesus seems to say is that we should share. We should provide a table for those in need. So I'll plug something for a moment that Ellen started doing. And again, it's another chicken story. And it's a good example, I think. And so in addition to the flock of chickens that we have, we've started to breed chickens. We got an incubator as one of the gifts for our wedding. And we started incubating eggs and raising up a set of new chicks. And so, because Ellen kind of got the chicken bug, and because watching chickens hatch from eggs is, is, is exciting, no matter how many times you get to see it happen, seeing as there's the increasing rise in food of chickens and eggs, and we recognize that some of us are starting to get a little nervous when we see, when we look towards the fall and winter, Some of us are getting a little uncomfortable with the thought of feeding our family while staying on budget. And so to address this at least a little bit, Ellen has set aside some of the eggs and baby chicks with the intention of providing them to those who want to start their own flocks or who might want to have some meat options. 
She looked at our potential for enough, our potential for excess, noted that we have an abundance, and then decided she wants to share. And so how many things are there in our lives where we could be doing this? Kim's back in the kitchen, but I threw her into the sermon today. And so I know Kim's been slipping zucchinis into every nook and cranny that isn't under lock and key. And I know previously she was kind enough to restock my tomato seedling plants after a heat wave wiped out my first batch. And I know we all have this desire to be generous, to share and to give. But we not only have the desire, so often we have the ability to build these tables and to share what we have. We've offered eggs in the past here, and we intend to do that again now that the bulk of our summer escapades are behind us, and we don't have to be as concerned about being gone for a few days and potentially giving up fertilized eggs. But a dream that I have in the long term, in the long-ish term, I should say, would be to set up some sort of a community store here in Bangor where people, not only from our church, but from our community, could offer their stuff for sale in a way that can get it out there and can provide for others as well as themselves. We all have that ability to share. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what is it that we can bring to the table? If we join together in one of those good old-fashioned church potlucks, then what would we be able to provide from our abundance? Part of the way that we plan for the future, part of how it is that we get through these difficult times of anxiety over money and planning for the near future is to join together and help carry one another's burdens. Part of how we move forward as a community and as a church is through the act of sharing. It's through the intentional breaking down of barriers. It's through being the body of Christ and providing for one another. In the end, our excess does us no good. No hearse ever carries a U-Haul behind it. In the end, we are only what we share. We are the relationships that we build. We are the community that we live in. And when we gather up our resources and when we store it for ourselves, all that ends up happening is that it becomes an unused resource. If I really wanted to get spicy, I would quote Dorothy Day, a Catholic worker and a supporter of worker rights and the dignity of those who lived in poverty, those who live in poverty, I should say, and who she said, if you have two, if you have two coats and your neighbor has one, then you have stolen from the poor.
And to note, if this sounds extreme, then we might hear John the Baptist who says a similar thing at the beginning of Luke, who says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has no food should do the same. The idea of generosity born of our excess is a theme throughout the book of Luke. In the end, we're measured not by what we have, but by what we share. And sometimes what we share can be as simple as love. Amen.